Hey, this is Kat Lee, and you're listening to the How They Blog podcast, where I take you behind the scenes with inspiring bloggers and show you how to build a blog that makes a difference. After you listen to this episode, head over to howtheyblog.com for all the show notes, more interviews, and resources to help you grow your blog. Okay, so I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Tish Oxenrider, and she runs The Art of Simple. .net. She is a blogger and a podcaster and the author of two books and a mom and a wife. And her newest book comes out in February, but you can go ahead and pre-order it now at Amazon. And honestly, she's one of my very, very favorite people. We met on the Compassion Blogger trip to the Philippines a couple of years ago. And, you know, we sat together in the home of her precious Compassion Child. We ate very questionable food items and she ugly cried right along with me as I met my family for the first time on that trip. So she is a fantastic blogger, but she's an even better person. And I know you're going to love all of the wisdom that she shares in today's episode. But before we get into that, I want to thank some of you fine listeners who took the time to leave reviews or mention the podcast via social media. You guys have done an amazing job getting this podcast out there. We were on the new and noteworthy section of the iTunes store and uh, in the um, technology section. And we are closing in on 10,000 downloads, which is fantastic for a new show. So first, I want to thank the Nerdy Girly and JMOTCE. All right, do you get that? <laughs> for leaving a couple inspiring reviews on iTunes. Honestly, those just make my day. I, I know that it's not easy to do to figure out how to do that and to take the time to go do it. So when you guys do that, I love it. It really makes my day. If you want to know how to do that, you can go to howtheyblog.com forward slash love, and it will walk you through the process of doing that. And this next shout out made my day too, because Mark Lee 3D mentioned on Twitter that he's really enjoying the podcast episodes. And now we're not related, even though his name is Mark Lee, but Mark is part of one of my very, very favorite bands, Third Day. And if you know me, I'm a huge music person. So it's really such an honor for me to have Mark listening in on the podcast. And it makes me want to work on my audio production a little bit. I have to mention that I had a mic issue when I recorded this episode with Tish, so it sounds a bit like I'm in a tin can. But I'm happy to report that I wasn't actually in a tin can, because I know you were worried. All right. Well, with that glorious intro, let's get started with today's show. We are going to be talking about intentional blogging, knowing your audience, and making big changes, and blogging bravely. So let's jump in. Hey, Tish. Hello. How are you? I am doing very well. I just ran about a half mile carrying a big wheel down the road and a dog. So fun, if I right? sound a little out of breath, that's why. But we're, we're fine. We, <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't chased by gremlins or anything. I was just trying to get back <laughs> in time. My boy rode off into the sunset on his big wheel. And so we, I, I misestimated my time a little bit on our walk. So if I sound out of breath. That's awesome. That's why. Podcasting that's, isn't that's tiring, hilarious. I promise. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, okay, so you just had a massive thing happen with your blogging, like huge thing happen with yes. your blogging that you wanted to do for a long time, and you just took the plunge. Tell me about it. Yes. Well, 
I've been blogging for about six years now, and for about half of that, I wanted to change my blog's name. <laughs> and it sounds so ridiculous now looking back. I mean, looking back a whole month um, <laughs> to say that, because I just think, what on earth would kept me? But yeah, it was our anniversary weekend, me and Kyle. Um, my husband works with me on the blog, and it was November 2nd. And I was just telling him for the 18,000th time how much I was not happy with the blog's name, which was simplemom.net. And the reason I wasn't happy with it was just because it didn't feel like it matched the content on the blog anymore. But I also felt very, I guess, trapped by it or just sort of like, well, this is just, it's a well-established blog. I've been around for six years. Who changes a well-established brand like that? And I actually said those words to Kyle. Who changes a a well-established brand? And he just looked at me and said, people do all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like they do. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess it's not unheard of. Okay. So I just kind of sat there on that for a while. And honestly, it didn't take but a few minutes after that. I just said, okay, let's do it. And we spent a couple hours trying to come up with a new name that better matched the blog And I don't remember, I think it was, I don't remember who came up with it first, but we were going back and forth when we came, when we landed on the art of simple. And we really liked that because we felt like it, it was broad enough to capture a lot of the audience that was already there, but narrow enough to where it was still about our blog's main topic, which was simple living. Mm. So that is the short answer of what has happened in the past month. So I have to know, were you sitting there? Did you have a domain name Thing in front of you, or were you just coming up with names and then you went home hoping and praying that that domain was available? Uh, no, you better believe that we had name.com open, which is okay. where we keep our, all our URLs, and we were trying everything. Honestly, I think we had like 10 of the 10 other ideas that wouldn't work because either the domain name was taken or they wanted, you know, $5,000 for it. And so, uh, yeah, we had that open. We were going through everything under the sun. So what kept you from doing it a long time ago? Well, and then, I think and did any of those Oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. Never mind. I'm going to ask one question at a time. What kept you from okay. doing it a long time ago, Tish? <laughs> I think I felt like I didn't have permission or something. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of like there is a certain type of blog etiquette or there's a certain internet protocol that says this is what you do and this is what you don't do. You know, because I would look at some of the negatives to doing that like you know, potentially hurting our SEO with Google or um, something happening where we lose some form of, you know, page rank with Google or, or whatever it is. You know, I looked at the negatives and I felt like those were saying, okay, I, yeah, there's all these positives, but do you want to risk this? So I guess maybe a fear of risk. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, you know, I, I'm not the type to be shied away from risk. So why am I acting like it with this? And um, so, yeah, I think I was just held back by fear, honestly. Did any of the fears that you have come true one month into it? <laughs> so far, no. Uh, we we did a lot of re- research about how to do it well, how to um, switch over our name, and there's a long checklist. And we did those things, and so far, that's kept us from, you know, all those bad things happening. Awesome. Now, I want to ask you, I always encourage people to have an email list. Do you Did you have a strong email list so that you knew – that even when you change your name, that you would be able to, you know, because, you know, you can put it on Facebook or you can put it on Twitter and you just never know if people are going to get it. Uh, did you have an email list that, or do you just use FeedBurner that you use to kind of get help get the word out? 
Um, I have both. I have regular RSS subscribers. We have email subscribers, and I send out a regular email, a dedicated email, you know, via as a newsletter. Right. And so I I cultivate. I, I think it's the email list is the most important asset any blogger can have, honestly, mm-hmm. because that's the one thing that you can own. Right. You know, you can. Uh, not that you own someone's email, but you know what I mean. That's something that can't be taken away suddenly if if Google decides to go, you know, wherever or Zuckerberg decides to take down Facebook or whatever, you'll still have your email list. And so um, for sure, I kept that. And I, I felt like that was a huge asset. I With our newsletter list, I sent out the night before the post revealing what we were doing, what was going to happen, you know, that we were changing mm-hmm. the art of simple to the art of simple. And so that helped cultivate the, that smaller group of readers, even more the ones that really wanted to just, um, get the newsletter because they were, they were invested in me or whatever it is. And so they got to know ahead of time and we emailed back and forth a little bit with some readers and that was fun. Oh, that's cool. That's the fun yeah. thing. I found that with email that I love. It just makes it so personal. And sometimes people are surprised when you email them back and it's just, I don't know, it's fun to mm-hmm. have that really, really personal connection. There's something more personal about getting a message from somebody in your inbox than just a reply on Twitter. Right. For sure. For uh, sure. So I want to know if you could go back in time and start blogging again, would you still name it Simple Mom or would <laughs> you have started out differently? Gosh, that's hard to know because, you know, you wonder if what you learned was because of being a name that you didn't want at first or like what I have known how much I didn't want mom in the name. Had I tried it? I don't know. But looking back now, I would probably say, yeah, I would think I would have rather stuck with the art of simple because it didn't take us long to realize the, not that the primary audience wasn't moms because honestly they still were, but the primary topic was not motherhood or not parenting. Mm -hmm. That was one topic of many. And so, and, and that honestly happened within the first year, two years maybe. And so, yeah, looking back, I think I would have rather had a more, uh, just a broader name, a name that gave more room, you know, to, to explore different ideas. So how does that balance with blogging websites that recommend you get a domain name that is going to help your SEO by having your keywords in the domain name? Would you say that really is not a significant factor and just go with something that you're going to be able to move within? I have not found that to be important enough to be pigeonholed by that, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some obvious ones that are just fantastic that you can, that both adequately describe what the site is about and are good SEO and are a fun brand. Like I think how they blog is great. Um, But you see plenty of other ones that are, you know, made up words more or less that have nothing to do with, you know, the, the podcast that I, I produce is, is on a site called Home Fries. You know, no one's going to think Home Fries and immediately associate podcasting, but th- it does well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think there's more than one way to do this SEO thing. And that so that's one ingredient, but that's not the most important one from my perspective. And that's not enough for me to not go forward with a brand that I think really captures me well um, just for the sake of Google, you know. Right, right. And I think there's something to be said for having a name that doesn't pigeonhole you but leaves room for definition so like inspired to action my other blog actually started as a blog about social justice uh, kind of mm. way 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 back when and 
that blog didn't really work out. It was a group blog. And so we just kind of let the domain name sit around. And then I pulled it back up and I was like, well, I have this domain name. Moms can be inspired to action. And so I just went with it. And it's been, it's worked out great. And I love that it's a domain name that can kind of grow with me and, and, and works really for any sphere that I can take it into. Kind of like the art of simple. You know, simple yeah, is the core of who you are. Right. Absolutely. And it, can, it can morph into whatever direction that you, you know, you, that your life takes you. So I wonder if picking a domain name, if it's something that reflects a person, so like more of a personal journal kind of blog or, or something that's just sharing your story, if the domain, it's great for the domain name to be a little bit more, not to, not necessarily general is the word that I'm talking about, but one that doesn't pigeonhole you. But then if you're blogging for a certain business, then you want a much more specific maybe domain name. Um, for sure. Because I mean, that's not going to change quite as much. I think it depends on what your blogging goals are, you know? Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways to blog, and pe- some people want to blog for money to turn it into a business. Some people want a place where they can catalog their kids' lives. Some people want a blog for, you know, establishing a brand with a shop. And those are all totally valid reasons to blog. And so I think it really just depends on what your goals are. And, um, you know, if you can project several years down the road, I'm sorry, my three-year-old just walked in here in a monkey costume covered in ketchup. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Seriously? Covered in ketchup? Covered in ketchup. And I just texted Kyle, my husband, to say, um, monkey's in here. So we'll see what happens. So far, he's quiet. Either way, I think that yeah, it really depends on why you blog. You know, I wanted the art of simple because I knew six years later that I was still interested in the topic of living simply. In fact, more than ever was I. Um, and so I wanted to keep that as part of our our main topic, but I wanted to leave it, I wanted to give us plenty of room to explore what that looks like because there's lots of different ways that looks, you know. And we found that we just had a lot of readers that were unexpected, honestly, with the blog name Simple Mom, we had a lot of male readers. We had a lot of singles or, you know, non-parents, a lot of ages. I mean, we still have a huge age range of readers. And instead of fighting that, instead of saying, but we want to reach moms, you know, I just went with it Mm -hmm. and decided, you know, this is fun that there's a lot of people are resonating with this. Who am I to say, no, you're not welcome. Of course you're welcome. So let's make it even more welcoming. Let's make it a place that you really want to be and you feel okay about being here and sharing with your friends, you know, what it is that you love. Yeah. I remember you telling a story maybe about some young guy who liked your blog, but didn't want to share it because he didn't want to admit he read Simple Mom. Exactly. (laughs) And that made me think, okay, how many other 25 year old guys are out there who would otherwise share this post on Facebook or Twitter or with their friends, but aren't because then they're like outing themselves as a reader of a (laughs) blog called Simple Mom. Well, so that brings up a great question. How do we identify our audience and cater to them and yet stay true to ourselves and our core mission for our blog. How do, that is a tough dance. How do we do it? Well, you know, there's two, there's two approaches to blogging, blogging for yourself and blogging for others. And I think you can have both, you know, I do both. I blog for myself and I blog for others. And so you have to consider both of those things when you look at who your audience is. You know, are you so passionate about reaching moms or single girls or, I don't know, you know, beaver watchers that (laughs) you're so passionate about that, that you're going to do what you can to steer your blog in that direction? Or are you going to kind of go with what seems to be naturally happening and, 
you know, be flexible enough to, to be okay with the fact that, well, I guess there's also some, you know, I don't know, dolphin fisher. That's a bad (laughs) example, whatever it is, flamingo watchers, something, I don't know. Um, and so maybe I should expand my repertoire to watching all sorts of animals or whatever it is, you know? And so you can look at the practical, you know, you look at the demographics on the back of your site via Google analytics or Quantcast is very fascinating to me. It has a lot of specific, um, demographic information there. And you just take that and say, I wonder why, you know, well over 20% of the readers of Simple Mom are male. What is, why, why is that? You know, because there's plenty of blogs with the name mom in the title and I bet you they're not reading those. So what (laughs) makes, what makes them read this and look at the, look at the posts that get you excited. Look at the posts that get the readers excited. You know, the ones with more comments and kind of analyze, I guess, and see if that matches up with your passions, with your values and where you think you could go for the next few years and not just this month or for the next few months, but really, well, I mean, unless you have a specific reason, you know, some kind of project or, or whatever, but if you think you want to be in this blogging game longer term, think about that. Think about what could get you up in the morning writing again, you know, three years from now. Because mm-hmm. if you find that place where you're excited about it and your audience is excited about it, it's like that, what's that quote about um, where you, you shared it at some talk you gave, where your passion, where you're something and the world's needs collide where your passions and the world's needs collide or something like that. Uh That's like your sweet spot. Yes. It's finding your element, which is the sweet Mm. spot. Um, I didn't come up with a phrase. So there's a book called, um, do you know, Sir Ken Robinson? He has that ridiculous pop, ridiculously popular Ted talk about education. Um, and he, he writes great books on creativity and innovation. So his book is called the element and it's basically this, it's the intersection of where your, your skills and your passions collide. And so once you know what you're good at, and then once you know what your passion is, find exactly where they intersect and that's where your sweet spot is. And that to me is really essential with blogging, especially if you want to blog long term. And I think paying attention to your audience and what they're resonating with and what your passion are, it can help hone what you thought you were good at or what you thought was a strength or what you thought you were passionate about. It can help refine that. You know, like I, I never thought that I necessarily enjoyed, um, speaking or whatever, but I would go and speak because of the blog and I found, oh, wow, I really enjoy this. Just because, you know, the feedback that I would get from the audience and that sort of thing. And so I think with blogging, when you do pay attention to the audience, it helps you really find your niche and really find your core. And so it's just a balance, though, to not go too far one way. I remember that story Emily Freeman shared about how she used to write about home decorating stuff, and she got a lot of great feedback about it, and she had a lot of traffic because of it, but it just wasn't true to who she was. And so mm-hmm. she stopped writing about it. And But as you know, probably some of her traffic dropped off for a while, but now it's totally grown back because because she's writing about what she's truly passionate about. And, you know, here's something that I did earlier in 2013. I, I actually went through something called brand therapy, which sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but it's a real thing. And um, so it was a girl that I met with who went through six sessions with me via Skype, and we talked about all this stuff. And one of my fears, I think, was losing traffic, you know, losing that audience, Mm -hmm. kind of what you were just saying. And what she helped me see is, yeah, you might lose your numbers, but that that was never your right audience to begin with. If that's not what gets you excited about blogging, if that's not what gets you up in the morning and on the internet 
then that's not your true audience where, you know, and you need to find your true audience. And so your numbers may drop, but long-term your numbers might grow. And then those numbers actually reflect the people you're really wanting to reach. And those are the ones that really matter. That's really good. I love that. That's really good. Can you share her name in case anybody wants to do brand <laughs> therapy? Yeah, sure. Um, well, her name is Krista Maskiel, and I can send you the link to her site. And I'm trying to remember. Well, she runs a company called Big Deal Branding, and she specializes in photographers and artists and authors. But she's expanding her repertoire to be more big picture bloggers as well. And so um, it wasn't cheap, I will say that, but it was very much worth every penny because um, I came back with an arsenal full of ideas and it was just good shot in the arm stuff. You know, a lot of it was hearing things that I already knew way deep down, but she gave me permission to actually, you know, just be brave, I guess. Mm. It's, uh, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people listening would think, Tish doesn't need permission to do anything. <laughs> and so it's, I hope it's encouraging to everybody to know that everybody hits that. Everybody feels like they need permission to take some big risk or, or make a big jump. And uh, Absolutely. it's just part of human nature. I don't think it was even like somebody else telling me. It was more myself, giving mm-hmm. myself permission. I think I was the one holding myself back, honestly. Sometimes it's just hearing somebody else say it and having that aha moment and realize, you know, just we have the thoughts of, oh, I should do this, but then hearing it outside of yourself and somebody just resonate what you were already thinking kind of affirms that next step that we should take. So absolutely. what are some of the biggest challenges you had? Because I know there's probably a lot of people listening that want to make a change, want to do something, but they're kind of nervous about it. What are some of the biggest challenges that you had in the process of changing things over? Well, I think you can look at the laundry list. You know, I wrote on my personal blog, the checklist we used for changing the blog's name, and we're still not done with it a month later. And so you could look at that list and feel overwhelmed before you even start because it's a lot of little details, you know, setting up a 301 redirect, whatever that is. I don't even know. Um, sending, you send Google a change of address. Like it, that's a real thing. Oh, you wow. know, I know who thought um, a lot of just, Piddly little things, I think, started feeling overwhelming. And I'm much more of a big picture person than a details girl. And so that kind of stuff can send me in the fetal position. But (laughs) if I were to just look at this list and just tackle one thing at a time and, okay, look to the ones, okay, I can do this today. That's not going to be that painful. Then, you know, it got better and better. So we're still working through that. So honestly, just feeling overwhelmed was probably the hardest thing. Um, And then when we're talking practically, things like Facebook is a toss up. Honestly, you're risking the possibility of having your blog be one name, but your Facebook page being another because Mm -hmm. Facebook is known for being kind of, um, a wild, you know, they're just not predictable. And so they could have very well said, yeah, we see your blog name change, but we're going to keep your page the same. (laughs) And so it was risk, but we decided it was worth the risk. You know, we, we could just, make a joke out of it or, you know, just go with it. And it turned out fine. Facebook changed our Facebook page name. No problem. Um, but it, it wasn't easy. You know, you have to fill out this paperwork. You have to screenshot this. You have to send them this. It's goofy stuff like that. But um, so I guess it was a lot of the details that were hard uh, more than just the once I was brave, then it, it became this no brainer. Like, of course, I'm going to do this. So that part to me became easy once I decided. That's so good. Once I was brave, I like that. 
<laughs> okay, Tish, well, we're coming up on our the end of our time together. There are a lot of people listening who would love to build a blog like you have. I know some of okay. them dream of it, but they don't necessarily think that they can do it. What would you say to them? What encouragement would you give to them? Well, first of all, don't look at someone's chapter 20 and compare it to your chapter one, because I've been blogging for six years and it definitely was not the way it is today, six years ago. You know, I put, I've put a lot of miles in this car and so don't feel discouraged by bigger bloggers or more established blogs before you even get out of the starting gate because everybody starts at some point. Everybody has zero Twitter followers when they first join or, um, you know, has to write that first post. So don't feel intimidated or overwhelmed because these other blogs are huge or know what they're doing. We were all there to begin with. Um, And so I guess with that, the next thing is just to start somewhere and to not look at the numbers, to focus on content. I mean, well, I mean, look at the numbers because they matter. You know, they don't not matter, but they're not the most important thing. And they're not, they're, numbers aren't what's going to get you out of bed in the morning for sure. Mm -hmm. The love of your content, the love of writing, blogging, the art of it, you know, that's what's going to get you out of bed in the morning. So focus on working on your blog and discovering that sweet spot as you blog, you know, what gets you excited about it? Maybe it, you might be blown away by something that you didn't even know is inside you, you know, where you start taking photos for your posts and it turns out you're a fantastic photographer and Mm -hmm. you might just take a whole new different direction with your blog than you ever imagined, but you wouldn't know unless you started. And so my biggest advice is to just go ahead and start. Don't feel intimidated by the big blogs. Don't feel like you can't say something because it's already been said, because that is true everywhere on earth. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, but we haven't heard you say it. And if you need to say it, then we need to hear you say it. So be, be brave and say it, even if not many people are listening at first, because none of us have anybody listening at first. We all have to start in the same spot. Good stuff. You heard it from Tish. Go be brave. (laughs) Tish, thank you for joining us today. I, uh, I'll, I'll let you go and take care of your ketchup-covered monkey. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to re-listen to this because I, I missed the next five minutes of what you're saying because I was laughing so hard picturing him covered in ketchup. Well, he was being really sweet. He just pulled up the chair next to me, and he was just looking at me with his big brown eyes. <laughs> and he could tell I was trying to tell him to be quiet, so he'd be like, pop, pop. You know, like that. <laughs> and my hand was on his face. So he did well for a three-year-old monkey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, Tish, well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And thanks Thank for joining you. us. You too. Thanks. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode of the How They Blog podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You know, I'd love to know how I can help you. My goal for this show is to help you build a blog that makes a difference. You have words and wisdom that others need to hear, and it's my job to help you spread your message. So if you have any ideas, suggestions, or questions for me, just head over to howtheyblog.com, click the contact button, and send me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to share the love, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or a view on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, just visit howtheyblog.com forward slash love and I'll show you how. As always, for all the show notes, more interviews and other resources to help you grow your blog, head over to howtheyblog.com. 
And until next time, this is Kat Lee, and you've been listening to the How They Blog podcast.